0: You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polindo. Today
1: we begin our four-part series on forgiveness and reconciliation. I am so excited about this series because it's something that my students say we don't talk about enough. And much of this series is based on the work of Hocker and Wilmot, and also the foundational work of Enright and the Human Development Study Group. And they have provided us with a great foundation to talk about this important topic. Now, in this episode, we're going to start our journey by exploring the topic of forgiveness, some myths about forgiveness, and the process of forgiving others. Fogner once said, forgiveness is giving up the idea of a better past. Cornfield once said, Forgiveness is the heart's capacity to release its grasp on the pains of the past and free itself to go on. From a technical perspective, McCullough and colleagues describe forgiveness as a decision to reduce negative thoughts, affect, and behavior, and to begin to gain a better understanding of the offense and the offender. Now, unfortunately, many people are confused about forgiveness because in our society, we perpetuate lots of myths about it. So let's review five myths that are sources of this confusion. The first myth is that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same thing. To me, this is a very common misconception because sometimes out of this misconception, people believe that if you forgive, you must also reconcile. But forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They're completely different. Growing up in my family, forgiveness and reconciliation were sort of interchangeable. So when I would have a squabble with my sister, my mother would say, tell your sister sorry and hug your sister. We were expected to forgive and also to reconcile. It was all sort of one messy process. But later in life, I learned that these were two different things. So let's break them apart. Hawker and Wilmot remind us that forgiveness is a process undertaken by one person in relationship to another with or without interaction with that person. So it's initiated by one person. It also doesn't require the other person's participation, even though a lot of times we engage with people when we do forgive them. Now, different from this is reconciliation. Reconciliation is the process of reestablishing relationships, renewing trust, settling differences, so that cooperation and a sense of harmony are restored. Reconciliation, different from forgiveness, requires two parties to restore the relationship. And since forgiveness and reconciliation are different, one can forgive but decide not to reconcile. Myth number two is that forgiveness is a sign of weakness. And there's a lot of people out there that believe that forgiving is weak and withholding forgiveness is strong. I've heard people say, I won't give them the pleasure of forgiveness, or I won't let them off the hook. Perhaps believing that withholding forgiveness will get the non-forgiver something, but it doesn't. Some people even believe that not forgiving punishes the transgressor. It might, but it also might not. And there's far more evidence to suggest that unforgiveness actually punishes the person who's not forgiving. According to Worthington, emotional unforgiveness causes chronic stress response in us, which results in obsessing about the wrong done to you. And it's rumination that gets people into trouble. Rumination, according to Worthington, is the mental health bad boy. It's associated with almost everything bad in the mental health field. Obsessive compulsive disorder, anxiety, depression, and possibly hives. While someone might be tempted to believe forgiveness is weak, It's actually unforgiveness that weakens us. In unforgiveness, we're still connected to the transgressor. The unforgiveness is a string between us, and it keeps us in this ruminating state where we come to expect an apology or expect an explanation. We believe we're owed something. And in believing we're owed something from the other person, it keeps us connected. Desmond Tutu has written about this very dilemma. Without forgiveness, he says, we remain tethered to the person who harmed us. We are bound with chains of bitterness tied together, trapped. Until we can forgive the person who harmed us, that person will hold the keys to our happiness. That person will be our jailer. When we forgive the person who harmed us, we take back control of our own fate and our feelings. We become our own liberators. We don't forgive to help the other person. We don't forgive for others. We forgive for ourselves. Forgiveness, then, means ending the connection between you and the transgressor. Forgiveness is cutting the string. Forgiveness is canceling the debt. It means to get free. The third myth is that forgiveness dismisses or minimizes an event or situation. This myth suggests that if we offer forgiveness, we're condoning someone's behavior. However, Enright and colleagues suggest that forgiveness acknowledges the truth about what happened and the consequences that followed. It's not a dismissal of the harm. It's not a minimizing of the effects. It doesn't say it was just something out of your control and we shouldn't look into it. Actually, these researchers suggest that it's the opposite. In the forgiveness process, individuals review the transgression, understand the consequences, and investigate the harm. It's not minimizing at all. The last myth is myth number five, that it's better to forgive and forget. I hear this famous idiom all the time. Unfortunately, the people who use this phrase often don't understand forgiveness. And there are a few aspects that I dislike about this idea of forgiving and forgetting. First, the phrase sounds like forgiving is just a simple thing to do. It's flippant. In reality, true problems might not be easy to forgive. Remember what C.S. Lewis once said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. My second concern about forgiving and forgetting is the possibility that forgetting might cause additional harm. Forgetting might result in failing to understand the risk of re-engaging with an individual or situation. And if I forget, I increase my risk. Remember, forgiveness doesn't forget, it just cancels out the debt. Forgiveness takes the accounting back to zero, but not the memory of it. Enright once said, yet we must distinguish between the literal wiping away of an event in space and time, which is impossible, and take a new stance towards the event. A stance that includes an acknowledgement of the wrongdoing. And as we take this stance, it can be said that the offense is wiped away, in that neither the offended nor the offender now view each other or their relationship in light of the offense. Whitvley researches memory and forgiveness, and she says, Forgiveness does not involve literal forgetting. Forgiveness involves remembering graciously. The forgiver remembers the true, though painful, parts, but without the embellishment of the angry adjectives and adverbs that stir up contempt. She says that angry embellishment is what impacts our bodies, raises our blood pressure, heart rates, and other negative effects. So the key then is to reframe the memory to help us reduce the negative emotion while also remembering enough to reduce the possible future harm. All right, so let's talk forgiveness. So one of the big things that struck out for me was this problem of suffering twice, A lot of people think I'm not going to forgive them because I don't want to give them the pleasure. I don't want to Hmm. contribute to their whatever. I'm going to do some sort of special math that makes me the winner. And most every researcher out there says you get transgressed against and that's the first time you get you suffer and then you're going to hold on to it and ruminate about it or get sick over it. And now you're going to suffer twice.
2: Yeah.
1: And I find that so interesting because I don't think it's talked about enough. And let's think about it when it's someone's wronged you and maybe died. So you don't have any possibility of having a relationship with them in the future, that's an interesting encounter where you had the first wrong. And then now you have the reconciliations not on the table because there isn't a relationship to rebuild. And then now we have, what do I do with that (laughs) existing hurt or harm? And that's the perfect candidate for forgiveness, I think.
0: Yeah, because you really can't involve the other person at all.
1: Right. And so then it's like, okay, I don't have to have them be a part of this, but I can cut what I believe they owe me, what explanation they owe me. I can cut Mm. the tie to that. I can cut the expectation. I can get kind of a new piece about it that makes me not suffer anymore.
0: I really liked, I think... You were talking about how forgiveness is not a pardon and how we're basically, we take all the accounts to zero with them, mm-hmm. not being owed something. So, I mean, I feel like you'd have to start in that place because you, you can't get anything from them if they're gone. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's why I give that example only because it's yeah. easier. Of course, that's not very common for that to happen. But you have people that wrong you and leave your life, though. Yes. And so then the question is, they're gone now, so same things apply. I don't have the ability or desire to re-engage with them, so I'm not talking reconciliation, but I do have to think about getting my health back, my mental health back, Mm -hmm. or emotional health back, I guess we could say.
2: This is connecting with me the forgive and forget myth, right? Mm -hmm. Because you guys are talking about like, it's not a pardon, and I know you you use the term after talking about the myth of forgive and forget, that- doing the forgiving actually wipes something away. And in my notes, when I was getting ready for this, I wrote next to that, but why? Like, I want to have forgiveness for my own healing, yes, but I don't want to wipe it away. And maybe maybe I haven't, that means I haven't completely forgiven, but I want to know that the thing happened. I'm not crazy. You know, I can forgive you and heal, but I don't have to take away that thing. Is that wrong? I don't think any of the researchers think you should wipe it away.
1: I think they're saying inherently you can't wipe it away. Okay. You can't wipe it away truly because it happened. And the thing you're saying, which is you don't want to erase the memory of it. And that's because of the second issue, which is I can get wounded again.
2: Yeah. Self-preservation. If I forget
1: that you abused me, if I forget that you hit me yeah, and then I get all the way through the forgiveness cycle and I'm I'm in a good place but I forget I open myself up to future harm for sure
0: yeah in my notes I said harm equals boundaries like this we need to talk about boundaries with this because that's to me if we forget then we don't put in boundaries for the future mm-hmm. remembering to me spells out wisdom isn't that what life is we're going to retain a, like a lifelong history of knowledge in our relationships and we're going to build on them. And I think it is important to forgive, but equally important to have that history and that wisdom to learn from our past and our own mistakes and then put in boundaries when someone tries to repeat offense. Mm-hmm.
2: Are we all dispelling this myth of forgive and forget? And if somebody tells you that you can give them a big double backflip, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i think a lot of people do say forgive and forget kind of move on i mean we could call it out as a form of shooting (laughs) right this is an area where i am so so against people shooting in the forgiveness area telling you you should forgive you need to let it go you have to move on all Hmm. these things that people say because they're so helpful in our lives (laughs) and the reality is i can't do it until i'm ready and if you think i should be doing something or you should apologize or you should do all these things I am super not about that because I honestly don't think, similar to grief, I don't think you can hurry the process along Mm, because that's not how it works. And it's sort of like someone saying, you shouldn't be as sad. It was only your, you know, your second cousin. You hardly knew Mm. them. And you can tell someone not to be sad, but it has to do with how much they loved that person. That's Mm. why that grief and forgiveness are so similar. I think that's an interesting thing when people say forgive and forget you should do that. I don't know that people should be giving us any advice in the forgiveness area at all. Right?
0: I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, I don't want to be shut on and I don't think we should shut should on people. But <laughs> should, 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 should. But what I hear also in, in seeing people really struggle is what I, I could see some friends being really held back yeah. by their unforgiveness. And so I I've seen that where it seems like yeah. it's ruling their life. Yeah. And so I would want to say, like, I hope that you can move past this and forgive mm. or move on to whatever mm-hmm. that means for you, because yeah. I have seen people, I think, not thrive in their best yeah. area because they let this thing rule them, yeah. which is a tragedy. Yeah.
1: No, I think that's true. And I but I, I like how you say that. It's sort of like I'm hoping for your health to get restored. Yeah. Not, well, you know what you should do? You should just let it go and forget about it. <laughs> yeah. You <know>, it was like <laughs> horrible advice. Like I call that a whole category bumper sticker advice. Oh yeah. Which is advice that you should never do in your interpersonal relationship. Just get over it. Just do it. Do what? You should probably not just do something impulsively. Like why would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you think about all the things that we see on yeah. the bumper stickers. I'm like, oh.
0: It wouldn't be insincere if you just like, okay, yeah, I'm over it. Like how? How how could you even do that? I don't, it sounds like a lot of work to me. The really
1: big challenge for me personally in this topic area of forgetting is I want to remember enough, but not so much that I ruminate on it. Yeah. What is that dance? That for me is such a challenge to think about, to kind of get our our minds say, we don't want to forget it entirely because we do need to understand it but we've got to somehow take that accounting down to zero so i don't overdo my thinking of it and put myself back into unforgiveness so i sort of see rumination as a hook that pulls me back into unforgiveness
0: so is that ruminating just on your transgression i was wondering about that i think so like replaying the event is it is it just like dwelling on
2: it or i I took that as like repeating the event in my head over and over and over and over again you know, like when someone hurts you sometimes depending on, and I'm
0: human. So yeah, the gravity of hurt, I'll replay it in my head. We talk so much about in our country, like it seems that everyone is dealing with anxiety or depression, Yeah. but really like the main, maybe the real pandemic is for mental health is unforgiveness because of if it's specifically ruminating on A transgression and unforgiveness, maybe not just Mm -hmm. anything in general. Didn't you say that was what led to hives and OCD, anxiety, depression?
1: Yeah, that that researcher calls it the mental bad boy. I love that. Yeah. Rumination is the the bad boy because it's associated with everything
0: bad. So maybe it's really unforgiveness that is Hmm. such a epidemic right now in our mental health. That is a giant thought. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Uh, What about the myth is that by forgiving, you're like reducing what the harm is or something. That's my understanding of Mm -hmm. that. It minimizes Minimizes the transgression or something. Yeah. And I know we're talking about the myth specifically in this episode, but it 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 was like a ticker in my brain of things I've had to forgive before in terms of there's like this trick in your brain when you have to forgive something massive or a hurt on your person and you think I desire to be forgiven because I want to be freed from this thing. But at the same time, there's a tension that if I forgive this huge thing, then am I crazy and it really wasn't really that big of a deal anyway?
0: Mm. That's why I'm wondering, like back to what we first started about, like forgiveness seems like we have it in our head that it's about the other person, but we've been taught so wrong. Like it has nothing to do with the other person. It's just for us. Yeah. And forgiving does not minimize it and does not make it okay.
1: If you're truly doing forgiveness, I think you're doing work in it, looking at the details, thinking about the feelings and processing the feelings. You're not saying, oh, I'm just going to try to forget about that this even happened and not review the details. I think when you do true forgiveness, you pour over the details. And I think that's the actually the only way out. Mm. And I would say the same thing about heavy grief. If you don't do the work, you won't get through it. Hmm. You have to do work in the forgiveness process so that that can be untethered. I liked what Desmond Tutu said. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be tethered to the other person. I think when you do all that work, you're giving it more accountability because you're looking at it.
2: Isn't that an interesting image he gives us about that? Like the connectedness. It, it is, uh, if, if you have had to go through the process of either being forgiven or forgiving something that is very massive in your life. It is fascinating when you get through the other side of forgiveness, how it disconnects you. Yes. And, and that the disconnection is freedom.
1: Yeah.
2: Like you get there and you're like, oh my God, this is what was on the other side of that. Yeah. You, you know? And he, in that
1: quote, he says, Hol- they hold the key to your happiness and they are your jailer.
0: Mm. I really like reviewing the relationship in a new light of the offense.
1: I love that too. I thought that was really, really insightful. They said it's not wiping away. It's sort of like reframing it so that we, who we are to each other is not now defined in light of that offense. Hmm. The offense used to be the only way we could see ourselves in relationship to each other. It defined us, Hmm. you know, the transgression. Yeah, And the, that author says, no, we reframe it and work through it enough so that who we are isn't defined by that transgression any longer, which I think we'll probably get into in reconciliation. But I, it's right. a really interesting idea that we could do the work around it and have a new relationship with it, which is kind of what you said, Meredith, on the other side, I'm free. Yeah. I have a totally new relationship with this transgression. It no longer defines me.
2: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's inter- when you're in the, in the thick of, of forgiving, it's almost like you label yourself that thing mm-hmm. or that you're the thing that did the hurting, whatever side of the table that you're on, mm-hmm. you know? But it's like when the hard work of forgiveness is done and you break that cord, you're no longer need to be labeled or like you said, defined by the event or transgression or whatever that hurt was that you did or you received. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the things that's similar about grief and forgiveness as well is the initial shock. I can't believe this. I still can't actually even acknowledge that this happened. And sometimes we have that with transgressions or with death. And I I find that to be kind of interesting. And that's why I mentioned that concept of doing the work because I think you have to get through that enough to get to where you do go through the details. You do pour over them and then you
2: eventually come out of it with a way to cancel the debt. So what do you say to somebody that's not ready? to step into that work that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I have no answer for that. You can provide support for people, but
1: you don't want to provide so much support for them that you stunt their growth and development. Yeah. Some people get so hurt by transgressions, they just close up, they're out for years, months. Yeah, It's one thing to take a pause, and I do believe that people have to take a pause sometimes. You know, they can't just rush through the process but I also know you have to do the work at some point. How do we support someone to that? I think by helping provide them with opportunities to do that work, however it needs to be done. It has to be done somehow. So I don't know if that's done through journaling. I don't know if that's done through seeing a counselor. I don't know if that's done through having conversations, but the work still has to be done. And until it's done, you're not actually moving forward in the forgiveness process. It just isn't happening. And so what do we do? We come alongside people and help them find counselors and help them find strategies, whatever that is. But at the end of the day, I can't make anyone forgive anyone.
0: And if they are not ready or don't want to, I can't imagine you could get them to.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it, it might not be authentic anyway.
0: Yeah.
2: And I would just put a little cap on that, which is, I don't think this is a linear process. Like this isn't like learn forgiveness, learn the myths and you go up the stairs and you never go back. But then you do like 10, 10 steps back sometimes. And you're just, I mean, I think it's just being okay with that dance in this process of knowing that sometimes you're going to move forward. And when you have a hiccup, get your people and keep moving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the key. I really learned through the death of my mother, how much work had to be done. And that was a big, big mountain of work that I had to figure out. And I chose to see a counselor to do that. That sped up the process 10X probably, Mm -hmm. because I had someone else to help me through all of that and a regular appointment that made it so I had to do work on it every week. Mm, That's a good point. No, but that's something that for anyone thinking about, I have this massive transgression someone's done to me and I I can't figure out how to navigate it. If it's that big, I might say third-party help might make a lot of sense there. Someone who's actually trained to take you through that journey and do the work to get you to the
2: freedom side. Mm. That's a good way of putting that. I'm going to talk to my clients about that one. There's always a, a pushback on depending on who you are in the world or how your family culture, or how you are raised or in terms of that process. And it's like, you move through events in your life and you're just supposed to get it. You're supposed to get this big meaty subject, but then you go to school for a million other things in your life.
1: Yeah. But not for this. Yeah. Nobody goes to forgiveness school. Unfortunately, I wish they did.
0: Well, class is in session. Yeah.
1: Class is in (laughs) session right now. And just to tell everyone listening, we we were going to do a two-part series, then we we're going to do a three-part series. Now we're on doing a four-part series on forgiveness and reconciliation, because the more we got into this topic, the more it became very apparent that there were too many parts of it that we don't talk about enough and we need to. So we're doing it here. Yeah. Hmm. This whole thing is effed up <laughs> because we're going around, so. no, because we're going around doing forgiveness, like apologizing at the wrong time for the wrong thing. We're asking for forgiveness when we need to be giving it. We're thinking I'm withholding, so I'm helping myself. That's actually hurting me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We almost need to say, okay, out we go with everything, all your training gone. We're redoing the entire framework, which is why we did the myths, obviously, first is take the
2: garbage out. Yeah. Yeah. That's what these myths are. It's just like recycling. So we need to learn how, how,
1: how do we do this? (laughs) Well, that's the next one.
0: (laughs) The next one we're going to do it. So I'm really honing in on this, not viewing the relationship in the light of the offense. Mm-hmm. Look at relationships differently.
1: Oh, I love that. Wait. So you're saying that's the measure of whether forgiveness has happened. Do I view our relationship in light of this offense?
0: Yeah, I, well, that's I interesting. Because I'm trying to see like when I think about that person, do I initially think of the offense? And I think the answer is typically yes. And then does that hold power over me? And then have I really cut the string? And have I really then even forgiven them? Yeah. Because the people I'm thinking of certainly didn't ask for forgiveness, but mm-hmm. I also don't think of these transgressions very often. So I, yeah, I thought I'd done a lot of healing and moving on, but. Now I'm like, oh, God, maybe I didn't. <laughs> maybe I need to. A- Isn't that as whole time, though? I relate with what you're saying in terms of like right when
2: the event happened or even when you're in the thick of it, if it's over time, you think about it a lot. But now that like not that time alone is healing it, but you're so you you're separated from the event for so long but then i do that i look back at that big thing i forgave and i'm like "Shit, yeah the first thing i think about when i think about that person is that thing yeah
1: so i would like to dispel the second bumper sticker on our (laughs) podcast today and that is that time heals all wounds Mm. Uh i actually don't believe that (laughs) Mm. i think that it's just a bigger space for work to be done slowly But I don't think it's the time that does it for us. Because the reason I don't think that, why would an older person then still be trapped in unforgiveness? Hmm. We know them, they're in our families <laughs> yeah. where they've never forgiven Aunt Hilda for whatever she did that one Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. And they're incredibly anxious and depressed. We see mm-hmm. it. Yeah. We have evidence to believe actually the
1: time isn't the variable that gets them that or all the older people in our world would be all super at peace, no problem. I hear stories sometimes of 30 years, 40 years of unforgiveness. That's a sick path. I don't mean that to be mean towards the person, but just it's just unhealthy.
0: Yeah, I think with time when I think back on these things, time has made it seem less important to me. Not that what happened wasn't wrong, but I've just started to put less weight on this thing that happened, and I'm not letting it define me, and I, I kind of don't talk about it as much anymore. I just think that that's not really where I want to spend my thought and process, but then that's why I'm wondering, did I really do the work to forgive? Because, I mean, I don't have a relationship with this person, but mm-hmm. that's the first thing I think of when I think of this person. That one
1: researcher talks about dropping the angry adjectives. yeah. And I kind of heard that in what you just said, Taylor, like the over time you lose some of that fire. Yeah. I still don't think it's time that does it though. I think it's the work you do over time, kind of let go of some of this fire.
0: Yeah. And I think talking about it is what helped diminish that and get rid of the anger was talking about it.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And other people saying that wasn't okay. And that was wrong. And I can't believe that happened. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It kind of goes to your
2: definition really early on, Dr. Kane saying it's I can't remember who you said said it, but it's the forgiveness is the heart's capacity to free yourself to go on.
0: hmm mm-hmm. oh, I was just saying she was killing it
2: with the quotes today, how oh, they're all <laughs> fire. Doesn't that give you like such a beautiful image in what you're saying, Taylor? Too, in terms of someone else leaning in, doing the empathy with you through that work. I think when people have empathized with me, I used to get that confused with don't feel bad for me. But instead of turning that on its head and reframing that, and just receiving that as no, you're acknowledging the transgression so I can still move to do the work that's acknowledged in another person
0: that I I know and trust mm-hmm. yeah I think that was really important because at first when I shared about this experience I was kind of shamed myself and I was like oh well, that was not what I was expecting but mm-hmm. then when the first person acknowledged that like well, actually you were really wronged there and that shouldn't have happened and it offered a lot of healing I think mm-hmm. Mary you helped me through this process
1: but, but you're looking at it and that goes back to that. It's not minimizing it. It's actually eyes wide open. Let's yeah. talk about like actually what it was, Yeah, whether that's you mm-hmm. by yourself or you with mm-hmm. someone else.
2: Therapy taught me that though, both of those things can coexist. You can both forgive something while also acknowledging the realness of it. Both of those things can be in the same room.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love
2: therapy. You oh, know, damn it, three women that love therapy <laughs> don't like it. Get out of the room.
1: <laughs> On that note, I'm thinking we better wrap this up. As I said, we have a lot of ground to cover, and it's really important. And there's a lot to think about. We've identified various myths that we've heard about forgiveness, and prepared a new framework for thinking about the forgiveness and reconciliation process. We've talked about letting go of unvalidated beliefs. And this will pave the way for our next episode called Forgiveness 101, where we will go through the mechanics of forgiving others. Well, thank you for joining us today. And please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Join us next week. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend.
0: Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.